It's a great honour for me to invite um, Mary Graham to come and speak with us um, about relational economics, but from a perspective that for many of us, particularly myself, I find continually inspiring and enlightening. Ah, thank you. Uh, thanks very much for um, inviting me to um, um, uh, present here today. Um, I'd like to, first of all, um, acknowledge the traditional owners of uh, the Brisbane area, the uh, Jagera peoples um, to the south, and the um, Gub um, sorry, the uh, Uyghur, um, <laughs> terrible people <laughs> from the north. Um, <laughs> um, and there are other surrounding areas there too. Um, uh, I'll introduce myself as from um, uh, the Kombamiri, the Yugambe um, language mob down the Gold Coast uh, between the Logan River and the Tweed River. And um, I'm of the subgroup of a, uh, called the Kombamiri. Um, I, I so enjoyed that. Um, so I just so enjoyed that. I thought that was so brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> All, all those things, <laughs> what you said there, oh, and very amusing and so true, although gloomy, but so true, eh? you know. And I, I'm reminded of some of the things you say. Um, of one, um, there was a cartoon. I don't know who uh, um, created it. It was a picture of um, this high building skyscraper, and a figure is either jumped off or pushed off or off. Anyways, falling. Falling down is about the you know tenth floor, and he's still going. And he says, "So far, so good." You know. <laughs> and I thought the things you're talking about there is that's absolutely spot on, isn't it? That's a, that's the kind of totally mistaken thinking that's in the world today. You know, it's all right. Everything's all right. You know, we'll just carry on, carry on as uh, carry on as usual. <laughs> um, and I, I suppose just really, um, I just want to talk about really the relationless ethos that Aboriginal people um, worked out over many a long period of time. And I usually only go by this map because it explains so much rather than only, instead of only just language, it's a language map made by a white fella, um, Tyndale, um, from many uh, years ago. Uh, some of it's wrong. Uh, he had help with a whole lot of it. But it's roughly, uh, the, it's the principle of the thing that's uh, most important, uh, I think. Um, so. We started off with the relationalist ethos coming from the, the first of two essential relations, the relationship with the land, human relationship with the land, and then the relationship between each other, between uh, humans. And the relationship between humans is always, in our thinking, contingent on the relationship between humans and land. So if we um, damage the land or um, you know, exploit it, uh, harm it in any way, or see it as simply uh, property or real estate, um, then that's exactly the kind of um, <coughs> utilize, sorry, <coughs> uh, ut utilization or sort of uh, way we'll look at each other. You know um, how how we can exploit each other, have that kind of society. So, briefly, a relationalist ethos has um, um, essentially. Um, four main attributes or values, if you like. So ethics, of course, is one, but we never had a word for ethics. Uh, we had a word meaning really the law, L-A-W, not L-O-R-E. Uh, and the law spread right across the whole place uh, from one end of the country to the other because 
um, we um, we did actually run a whole country. You know, um, um, there was uh, it's it's actually a um, it's a system. When you look at that map, it's actually a system, very different from uh, the anthropological sort of system of uh, notion of uh, us being a primitive hunter-gatherer society struggling to survive in a harsh, cruel world, you can dis de deconstruct that saying completely, quite easily, though, too. Um, but the whole country was somebody's responsibility. And while it hasn't, what, you know, talking about uh, Indigenous stuff, doesn't, in, in a way, it doesn't um, fit, I suppose, in modern mass society, uh, these are small societies, and they're not agricultural, but they did know what agriculture was, actually. But they never had um, large-scale agriculture. So a whole lot of things didn't um, work out the way um, it, it has and had uh, across the world in many other cultures. So not extreme developments of, of technology, because it's a particular kind of land, you know. Um, it's... Um, no, you know, uh, things like domesticatable animals, dry country, and of course, so we ended up with a, a different kind of political and social structure. So, um, relational, the relational um, arose out of this um, idea of land, a reciprocal kind of a relationship. So, it, it invents us, the old system, um, the, the traditional system hasn't got any God at all. There's no God. God doesn't exist. There's no heaven or hell either, for that matter. So we're not going anywhere after death. And there's no notion of perfectibility at all. So we're not looking to become very virtuous and get rewarded later because there, there isn't any and there's nowhere to go for it. You know, so when you pass on, you're the old system, there's thousands of Christians now, of course, but the old system is more or less saying that you'll, you'll end up with your ancestors um, no matter where you are or what happens, you always that's where you'll go after death. And if your ancestors are a bit dodgy, well, that's most unfortunate, you know. That's, a, that's, that's your problem. <laughs> that's, that is where you'll end up <laughs> with, your, with your ancestors. Um, so you've got to, got to make the best of life right here, you know, because no one's going anywhere. And, and get on well with each other. Um, the idea of... Um, uh, what uh, Lieberman, a guy called Lieberman, talked about um, that we were very good at, um, a, a congenial fellowship. They took it very seriously, <laughs> even though there's very good Aboriginal humour. They took congeniality very seriously. They worked literally at it. It's a task, actually. It's a responsibility, an obligation. So to get on... So when you were talking before about the bumblebees, somebody was talking about that, yeah? Um, just imagine a whole system, that's a social system, actually, <laughs> as, you know, serious, formal kind of system. So the, the, the values or the attributes of this relationalist ethos, which would be wonderful, I don't know if you please feel free or think about the idea of having um, um, NEA, NENA, uh, um, using some of it, uh, sorry, yeah, um, ethics, of course, um, and of course that's to do with conduct, um, moral conduct, the idea of um, um, authority and power not being conflated like it is with the Western society and many other uh, cultures, they're separated out, actually. 
for Aboriginal political social thinking. Power and authority are separated. Only people with authority, and that's to do with conduct and, and so on, or forbearance, if you like, um, are people who have, um, who have high standing. So power is diffused throughout the whole group. No, no, so therefore, no, no hierarchies. And a non-hierarchical um, system is best. It's actually ethical and moral. Um, and there aren't any sort of leaders. There are spokespeople, but not, not political leaders as such. Um, in political science, you, um, I was shocked when I, was, I learnt a long time ago that they thought that uh, if, if um, systems, political or other systems, um, um, aren't hierarchies, then they must be anarchic, which amazed me. <laughs> Made me laugh, actually, <laughs> because I thought that's crazy, you know. It's, uh, you know and uh, as we all know, ethics from way back, um, uh, sorry, um, uh, hierarchies from way back, um, started to cause a whole lot of problems, especially after the 10,000 years, you know, the incoming of um, um, uh, big agriculture. Um, and people started to actually really be, you know, going to war over resources. I mean, it starts way back then. Before 10,000 years, it was uh, sort of like small societies and, and you worked out how to manage your resources in every place um, and with your neighbour, of course. Um, autonomy uh, is another one. Autonomy and place is the other two. So I see those two things as together. So every different clan group across the country was autonomous. It's a, it's a bit like a whole country full of local governments. Or, uh, if you look at it in a spiritual way or religious way, it was like a whole country full of um, different, like six or 700 language groups, six or 700 genesises. Not one genesis and not one um, absolute moral law or anything like that. The only moral law, if there was one across the country, was the importance of land. So it, it goes something like um, that the source of the law, L-A-W, sorry, the land is the source of the law. That's the source, the absolute source for every, everything in existence and so on. Uh, related to that is everyone knows the old uh, Cartesian, um, I think, therefore I am. Um, uh, Aboriginal people don't have a um, equivalent of that, but if they did, it would be, I am located, therefore I am. You know, I am in a particular place, therefore I am. And because it's um, an old, um, no, no, a, a tissue, you, you wouldn't have one. <laughs> um, but autonomy and place are more or less the same and more or less uh, self-explanatory. Thank you so much. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, the big one, though, is balance. So four things, ethics, or the law in our terms, balance, autonomy, and place. They're the key values or key attributes of a, if, if you are looking at a relationalist ethos, of building that relationalist ethos. And um, balance is to do with a whole range of things, gender, men's law and women's law. It really, is, it really does exist, despite what some certain uh, anthropologists want to say. Um, and even the idea of um, conflict, um, having conflict. Um, as I've, uh, my own background is in political science and international relations and that, um, and I've always um, found it uh, funny that uh, a lot of 
people want to see Aboriginal stuff as being very, well, spiritual and sort of, you know, very kind of not realistic or something. Uh, but actually, it's the most, I think, very realistic, very, you know, real politic, um, very grounding, very grounding. Like that thing of, you know, um, not everybody grows wise with age. You have elders, but not everybody does. And it's all right being a 50-year-old teenager, you know. Um, and, and that men and women really do have their own logic. Uh, they really do have their own law because they have their own logic, actually, you know. So Aboriginal people have a different logic altogether from the West or Chinese logic, too. Um, so everything tries over this period of time to work out the whole system works out to be like balanced, everything in balance. You got where the other psychological understanding too is that conflict will always be with us, you know, it always will be. We have to work out, we had to work out really good ways of how you manage this conflict because, um, and you know, honestly, love won't do it, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> it won't. Uh, and our system, even though that congenial activity and getting on and looking at land as a spiritual um, um, uh, core for us. It's not about loving one another because I always say, you know, some people are mongrels. You know, you, you like having a good argument and a fight. You, you really do. You, you know, that, that is quite normal. Um, even, you know, over thousands and thousands of years. You, you're not meant to necessarily love your neighbour. There's no rule that says that. You may get on, you may not get on. But then you might end up with, um, um, say, traditional enemies. And if, if you want to have an enemy, the best one to have is a traditional enemy because it's a relationship, actually, in a way. You know each other, you have protocols, a certain way of acting, you understand one another's weaknesses and strengths and so on and so on, all that sort of thing. Um, so a relationalist ethos can stand beside, don't think in the sense of the, what do you call it, um, the, um, oh, that logic, um, either or logic, you know, the excluded middle logic, Aristotelian logic. Don't think of it as, as in relationalist or survivalist thinking ethos, one or the other. They actually sit beside each other. It's not either or. And that's the other thing too about balance. You have to have a good balance between not either or, but two seemingly opposing ideas or whatever, have to sit beside each other. And that comes back to our, our own logic, which we worked out, that all perspectives are valid and reasonable, something like that. So you work it out, either in fighting or settled fighting, you know, permanent kind of thing, but, but not by taking over somebody else's land. So you can have conflict, but definitely, definitely against the law right across the country to invade somebody else's land and take it over. So that's how come, um, you know, the idea of autonomy, territorial integrity, things like that, uh, were really set firmly in place. Sorry, I'll go. Uh, sorry? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, one of the things was, um, there's a whole lot of factors in all of this, but of advantage, the idea of advantage. You take advantage, even, you know, way back, long, long ago in the old days, but not at somebody else's expense. That's the, it seems to be the key thing that Aboriginal people worked out, not at somebody else's expense, somebody else or some collective or your neighbours or the land or anything. So look for advantage, 
but not at the expense of others, you know, other things, other living things too, and so on. Um, and look, just to finish up, I just thought it was really interesting. I was looking over some old stuff. Um, um, it might be um, a to try to bring a whole lot of young people into it, to this, the whole movement, the new economy and so on. How do you do it? Um, You've you got to do it by um, modern technology too, I, I guess. But um, I watch sometimes this mad show on uh, TV, or, or Russia today, actually. It's Russian news. <laughs> but they have a, uh, uh, one show <laughs> called The uh, Kaiser Report. The Kaiser Report, I don't know, my, Max Kaiser. Anyway, <laughs> he's very funny and brilliant, brilliant fellow about the whole of economics and the world economy and so on. And he, he used this term about, you know, peak oil and so on. Well, there is such a thing as peak stuff, he said. There's just too much bloody stuff that people buy and, and copies of things and more, more advanced things and more, well, more technology, you know, super, super technology. I thought that was a good term too, super, um, peak stuff. We've reached the limit. And of course, it's all part of the plan of becoming, um, turning us into nothing but either our workers, you know, producing stuff or, and, and consumers. So um, Adam Smith, he spoke about this in the theory of moral sentiments, you know, uh, along with the wealth of nations. It's totally forgotten and it's never mentioned. And it ought to be brought up big, hopefully, in the new economy discussion and discourses. We, you know, go back to Adam Smith. And so, so these, these things about a moral, um, you know, ethics and a moral conduct and so on, it's there in, in old writings. So he says, of all the virtues, that which is most helpful to the individual, humanity, justice, generosity, and public spirit are the qualities most useful to others. Exactly what you are saying before, Ian. Um, the other one is, I just have to um, repeat this one, um, William Hazlitt, you know, a great uh, English, English uh, essayist. He talked about, on cop uh, you know, essayist on corporate bodies, about uh, corporations. And he was quite savage. In fact, he called them savage beasts. This is William Hazlitt, you know, and way back 200 years ago. Corporate bodies are more corrupt and profligate than individuals because they have more power to do mischief and are less amenable to, to disgrace or punishment. They feel neither shame, remorse, gratitude, nor goodwill. And he goes on about that at, at some, what's it, you know. Um, and I thought that's, you know, bring those sorts of things back and make them known and publicise these old, old Western ideas, old European ideas of, of great writers and thinkers, they're there. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, it hasn't gotten you know, all one road onto what we arrive at today. Um, and Ross Gittins, I don't know if you know, the uh, um, Sydney Morning Herald economist, he's, he, he wrote a good article which I kept, um, where, why talking care is a capital idea. Talks about um, financial capital, natural capital, you know, ecological, and human capital. And he says that the, he, the human capital is the, uh, he describes it as the glue that keeps economies together, actually. It actually keeps it together, the human capital. It's not the other way around. Do you know what I mean? It's not a, don't have a, an economy-centered society. You know, it should be a social-centred society. Anyway, sorry, I better, better leave that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry, thank you. <laughs>